And, uh, you know, my, my aim in this is, is not to sow any personal divisions with people. Uh, boy, there's a lot of that going on, isn't there? And I've, I've just said and reiterated that as a fellowship, you know, we don't want to be a fellowship uh, that, you know, you have the, the vax crowd and the unvax crowd. We want to be united in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, with that said, there's a lot of things going on. And I'm not going to be shy about talking about them. I got to be obedient to the Lord in that. And that's what my aim is to do. And so I'm going to obey the Lord. And uh, you know what? The chips fall where they may. But I'll throw that out there. Th- this is something you guys are probably familiar with. Um, this was from LifeSite News. And they just basically did an article. And uh, the headline is CNN anchor calls for medical apartheid tells unvac- unvaccinated don't go to the hospital. And uh, it's, it's a story on Don Lemon. Uh, some of you guys might be familiar with him. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just quotes him basically saying, uh, you know, if you don't get the vaccine and you need to go to the emergency room, you shouldn't be allowed to go there because, uh, you know, you're the cause of everything going on, though. We know absolutely that the vax and unvax, they share the same viral load. And... Um, everyone can spread this thing i i you know what it, it just you know when they're talking about boosters now for everyone that got it um you know it is what it is uh the article though does a great job bringing out how uh during the aids uh you know crisis which is still a huge thing the same guy advocated for you know what the emergency rooms being opened up to every homosexual male who is wrestling with hiv which that's the bulk of those with hiv and sharing how there should be no discrimination against them whatsoever and you know just with that you see agendas and you see uh, you know what people really uh uh twisting truth and promoting agendas that completely contradict things that they said earlier uh especially when some of the things being said you know, it, it's subject to shaky, uh, uh, shaky and controversial conclusions on who's spreading what and so forth. So I didn't want to read the whole article. Maybe it would have been better for me to do it. But I just look at things like that and it grieves my heart because it's really a promotion of hate. It is an approach of apartheid. It's uh, a, a promotion of, 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 you know, it, going back to Jim Crow laws and such. And then along these same lines and just really talking about the sowings of these divisions and, um, you know, this promotion of you need to have this certain status to go to certain places, shop, to go to gyms. Now, uh, guys like this on a major news network trying to promote the idea that if you refuse the vaccine and listen, some people that have received that don't understand the deep convictions of people that say, I don't want this. It goes far beyond just you know this still being something that the long-term effects aren't known but you know what there's a lot of folks that have been refusing vaccines for years because most of those are formed with or are developed through abortion fetal cells and many of them have aborted fetal cells in them and that's something that we shall educate ourselves on with this uh vaccine in particular you know this is a foreshadow of the mark of the beast there's no doubt about that and I'd, i'd argue that and debate anybody on that because when they say you have to have a mark to come into this gym or this venue whatever you know that's problematic and that should be something that's concerning to all of us and again i don't say that to try to sow any sort of division between the vaccinated and unvaccinated if someone chooses to to go that route and i know a lot of people are in tough places i love them as a brother love them as a sister i stand with them support them wish no ill will on them i pray that that aids them and that benefits them And that needs to be respected along with those that would say, you know what, for A, B, C, and D, this is for me. But I do think on that other side, a lot of them don't understand deep, deep convictions where there's people that have been, you know, in that place, not just when this vaccine came along, but they've been there for years and years and years. And these are things that they have stood for and fought on. And they've looked at things like the rate of autism of kids just through the roof now versus years past. And it seems that uh, it's all traced back or much of it's traced back to vaccines and so forth. And so just throw that out there. But then I think along these same lines where 
following what's going on in Australia. And this is a headline. Uh, Australia unveils Orwellian app using facial recognition software, uh, software um, to, invo- to enforce COVID quarantine orders. And I'll just read a couple paragraphs. South Australia, one of six states down, un- down under, has unveiled a new Orwellian app. That's from 1984. I think you guys know that. Um, using facial recognition and geological tags to enforce COVID quarantine orders. The app was designed to track domestic travel in Australia. Australians returning from South Wales, New South Wales and Victoria, listen, will be required to prove they're obeying 14-day quarantine by uploading a photo with geological, with uh, geolocation to prove their location with fi- within 15 minutes of being pinged by the app. Quote, we don't tell them how often or when or a random basis they'll have to reply within 15 minutes. Uh, said the premier of the place. If a person does not upload a, fif- a photo within 15 minutes, hear this, a police offer, officer will show up to the door to conduct a in-person check. And you got to understand where this is going. It's, in my opinion, you see China right now, it has a social credit score. And you get graded on how you obey what the government wants you to do, even when it's things that are far out li- outside of the boundaries of how a government should govern biblically. And then based on that score, you are allowed freedoms. And if you have a low score, many of your freedoms are taken away from you. You can't use public transportation. You're going to have a hard time getting a job and so forth. And you start looking at Revelation 13 and the mark of the beast. This is a foreshadow of that. And then, you know what? I know a lot of folks went and they got that first vaccination. And they just said, I want things to go back to normal. And if this is what I need to do, that's fine. And, and, and I get that. I mean, I understand where people, you know what, just said, I'm going to do this. I know a lot of people that are saying now, is they're saying now you can have a booster and another booster. You know, they're in the place where, you know, you might have got that. And you're like, well, I'm not one of these other people. You're going to be in that spot really quick unless there's a follow-up. And again, another headline, Aussie Healthcare, COVID will be with us forever. People will have to get used to endless booster vaccines. Uh, with all that said, and again, my aim is not to try to, to, to sow any divisions, but look at these are major issues that are going on. All this, as I saw this all unfolding, it reminded me of something out of the diary of Anne Frank. She says, after May 1940, the good times were few and far between. There was a war then that the calculation and the arrival of the Germans which is when the trouble started for the Jews. Our freedom was severely restricted by a series of anti-Jewish decrees. Jews were required to wear a yellow star. Jews were required to turn in their bicycle. Jews were forbidden to use streetcars. Jews were forbidden to ride in cars, even their own. Jews were required to do their shopping between 3 and 5 p.m. Jews were required to frequent only Jewish-owned barbershops and beauty parlors. Jews were forbidden to be out on the streets between 8 p.m. and 6 a.m. Jews were forbidden to attend theaters, movies, or any other form of entertainment. Jews were forbidden to use swimming pools, tennis courts, hockey fields, or any other athletic uh, fields. Jews were forbidden to go rowing. Jews were forbidden to take part in any active activity in public. Jews were forbidden to sit in their gardens or their friend or or those of their friends after 8 p.m. Jews were forbidden to visit Christians in their homes. Jews were required to attend Jewish schools, etc. You could do this, and you couldn't do that, but life went on. Uh, 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 Jackie always said to me, I do do not dare do anything anymore because I'm afraid it's not allowed. And a few weeks ago, I read, you know, those 10 steps to uh, genocide, And this is just a continuation in these things. And this should be something that absolutely alarms you, whether you're vaccinated or not. And if it's something like, oh, you know, it's not a big, again, listen, there there is a lot of of information out there, both pro and con that vaccine. Again, people need to make their own decision. But when, you know what, the rate of COVID is three times higher now than it was a year ago. I'm no scientist, but I look back and I say, that sounds like a fail to me. You know, just, just kind of common sense stuff. I don't have any PhD. And when you start looking at areas like Israel, that's the most vaccinated 
nation in the world or second and their rate right now is through the roof it should be something to make us just step back um along with this and i want to kind of touch on two more things and then bring it back to a scripture in revelation someone texted me the other day they said google who paid the largest criminal fine in history and why in 19, or excuse me, in 2009, Pfizer agreed to pay $2.3 billion in a criminal civil liability lawsuit st- uh, stemming from the illegal promotion of certain drugs. At the time, it was the largest healthcare fraud settlement in history. In Pfizer's 2009 settlement, the company had to pay a criminal fine of $1.195 billion and its subsidiary Pharmacia and Upjohn Company Incorporated had to forfeit $1.5 million for a grand total of $1.3 billion. It is still the largest criminal fine ever imposed in the U.S. The company pled guilty to felony charges for violating FDA by misbranding an anti-inflammatory drug, Bextra, and promoting it for uses that the FDA specifically designed to approve uh, declined to approve due to safety concerns, the Department of Justice statement. And this is what's concerning even more. Pfizer also paid $1 billion to resolve allegations under the Civil False Claims Act that the company illegally promoted four drugs. And it names these Bextra, uh, uh, Geodin, uh, Zivox, and Lysria. And then it says the settlement claims that Pfizer paid kickbacks to healthcare providers to enforce them to prescribe the drugs. Johnson & Johnson had another settlement like this, $2.2 billions, and part of their fine was payment of kickbacks to physicians and to the nation's long-term care pharmacy provider. And a few weeks ago, we talked about bribes, and I read a lot of scriptures, and this is bribe-driven on so many levels. It's money-driven on so many levels. Uh, Psalm 26, 9, do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men. Now listen, in whose hand is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. Proverbs 29, 4, the king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it. And then Amos 5, 12, I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gates. And I hear, and I hear, and I read, and I see, here's a bribe, there's a bribe. You know what? We want to bribe you and bribe you and bribe you to promote something by companies that are downright criminals. Downright criminals. You can please research this. You can look it up. It is absolute fact. We have criminals and criminal organizations that are pushing these things. They're pushing them. And again, if that upsets you, you know what? It probably shouldn't. We want to deal with realities. Listen, don't get into the place where, you know, you're so stuck in a position because you've chosen to do something and you're not willing to step back and look at actual facts and so forth. I just encourage you in that. And then this, I think, is going to kind of tie these things together with this verse in Revelation I want to look at. But I know... This last week or two, we celebrated in Texas where they passed the heartbeat law. And it's a glorious thing that in a state that large, they would pass a law that after a baby's heartbeat can be detected, that an abortion is illegal. It's a glorious thing. I would love to see where it is, you know, illegal the whole time everywhere because at conception, life begins. And if that's something that you don't agree with, you don't agree with the holy word of God. Uh, John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb when Christ came into the room. And Jeremiah even declared, you knew me before I was knit in my mother's womb. And the Bible forbids the spilling of blood. Absolutely. You know, of innocent blood. You know, there's there's places of war and so forth and righteous causes and whatnot. Uh, um, You know what? Uh, Death penalties for certain sins in in an effort to protect life. But we rejoiced in that. Um, I believe it was yesterday, Mexico uh, decriminalized abortion. And um, something that had been long standing there. And so they decriminalized it 
And I don't know if that was to try to offset what was going on in Texas, but that's something that is heartbreaking. And then I don't know if you have seen what's been unfolding in Texas through, you know, the satanic temple and Satanists. And I know some people, when they hear that, they think, oh, yeah, that's some little group of, you know, three high school girls in a local community. And if that's your thought, when you hear Satanists and Satanism, you have been bamboozled to a large and high degree. This is something that goes on in the highest places of these that cast off, you know, at the council of his anointed one. And these are just some of, you know, at the headlines. This is from Gateway Ped, uh, Pundit back from August uh, uh, 8th. 2020 quote satanic temple abortion is a satanic ritual and should be protected under religious freedom laws july 4th 2021 quote the satanic temple buys billboard space across america promoting disgusting abortion abortion message and then more current uh september 5th 2021 quote satanic temple attacks texas abortion law argues that it violates the religious freedom to abortion rituals. And then September 6, 2021, Satanists admit that they are making child sacrifice through abortion an official ritual by Satanic Temple. And this isn't something that's just new to try to promote that and for people to say, I want a religious exemption so I can murder my baby. Listen, you need to know that the whole abortion industry is tied deeply into witchcraft, the occult, satanic offerings, and so forth. Uh, you know, we've seen the videos talking about the selling of baby Bible or body parts and so forth. And it is something that is just an absolute epidemic. Another thing you need to be aware of as well, that, you know, what I know abortion numbers are down in our country when it comes just to physical abortion but you, you need to know those numbers are masked because there's been an explosion of day after pills and there was even a restaurant in our town a newer restaurant and I, I don't remember their name or anything they were promoting on their facebook pa page in atascadero well guess what the abortion pill is available in 50 states in america so basically buy it and you know what do what you will with it um, in fact, in 2009 or 2019, uh, it was a headline here, uh, abortion pill accounts for nearly 40% of reported abortions. So yes, those numbers are down in the sense of physical abortions, but they're through the roof when it comes to these day after pills and so forth. And by the way, all of those pills, all of those pills that kill babies, all of those pills that are designed to bring genocide in the womb here this they're all fda approved so you need to know that you need to understand that that's approved by the fda we're going to approve this pill and it's deeply destructive um before i look at a verse and then we go into our study i do want to say this tonight that satan takes life and jesus christ gives life and i know when we talk about a matter like this in a crowd this size Usually there is at least one, if not multiple people who have either had an abortion or took their girlfriend or wife down to get one. And the hearing of these things absolutely oftentimes brings a deep conviction and regret and can stir up hurt. And there's even people that think I can't be forgiven. But let me tell you, Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus Christ comes to give life and life abundant. And Christ forgives. Christ wash. Christ restores the scripture says, confess your sin um, to the Lord and he'll confess your sin before the Lord and he'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I want to tell you that absolutely includes those things. And if you haven't already, bring that to the Lord, receive forgiveness, receive, be washed by the Lord. And then I'll tell you what, I love it in the scripture in Amos, I believe it is. It talks about how the Lord restores what the locusts eaten. And he leaves a gift behind. And I know many a parent who has a child or multiple children waiting for them in glory who believe the lie, but God who is restored has restored what the locusts have eaten and even have gifts waiting. That's who our God is. And that's why I'll speak about, the, about these things. I'll be bold about these things. I won't shrink back with these things. Uh, if you're offended by these things, I make no apologies for them because I'm gonna stand in truth and I'm going to address these things. I mean, we're talking about lives that need to be defended 
innocent lives. We're not talking about, well, that's the woman's choice. There's another life involved there. And I'll stand for the 50% of the babies that are female that are being murdered every year. How do you, you like those women's rights? And I'll do it unashamedly, and I won't take any, oh, well, you're a man, you don't know. No, I got an obligation before God Almighty to stand for truth, and so do you. And if it's something that if you've been brainwashed with this stuff, and you, you think, well, you know, this is a liberty and so forth, A, you need to go back to the Word of God, and you need to read about the sacrifices offered up to Moloch, where babies would be taken and put on a hot idol under the lie that your life will be better. This demon will bless you and your life will be better by sacrificing this child. It's the same life put forth today. And absolutely, absolutely, God makes provision. God makes a way in all cases when babies are conceived in his womb. Now listen with all this said. Revelation 18, it talks about the fall of the great city Babylon. There's a lot of thoughts on what that city is, what it represents. I personally think it represents a global economy. It might be centered in one place. Some have argued, well, this will be a revitalized Iraq. Some say, well, this is a representation of the juggernaut of America. Uh, I, I, I see that kind of uh, waning a bit right now. <laughs> Others say, well, it's just a global economy in general. But the Bible speaks of her falling apart. And I want to point out something that is huge in verse 23 that I think will kind of bring together Everything I just touched on, it says here in Revelation 18, 21, and this is near the end of the tribulation, that a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman shall craft, uh, no, no craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of a bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. And this is huge. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your, and this is the word I'm going to come back to, sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and all those who were slain on the earth. That word sorcery is the word pharmakia. It is the word pharmakia, and it means two things. It means magic, and it means medication. It's where we get our word pharmacy. It means a druggist or a pharmacist or a poisoner or a magician. And I'll tell you, you start looking around the world today, there's a lot of pharmaceutical things that are absolutely destroying lives. I talked to a lady today, and she said, years ago, my husband was in great pain, we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, I got a great new painkiller for you. It's called oxycodone. And they, they said, will this be addictive? And, you know, oh, no. And he says, it's an opioid, but it's not addictive and so forth. And they were skeptical. And this man chose to, you know what, listen to his physician. And maybe he was just ignorant. Uh, maybe he was getting one of those kickbacks. Um, because if you're a physician and the way you do medicine is just to prescribe pills, shame on you. I don't care how educated you are, shame on you, shame on you. And so it was prescribed within six months. This man had a severe opioid addiction. It was to the destruction of their marriage and so many things. And I'll tell you, over the years, I've done more heroin overdose uh, memorial services than I can even remember. So look, at, we got a sorcery situation going on. By no means am I saying that to condemn all doctors or nurses. There are many out there that are wonderful, that are well-intended, absolutely. I pray for them. There's even any, many medications that, you know, it are, are beneficial and so forth. But listen, I step back and I see a, a, a spirit of pharmakia that is heavy upon our nation and on this world. And I'm obligated by God to say, look at guys, look what's going on. Let's get our head out of the sand. Let's be a people of prayer. Let's, take, let's not take lightly the decisions we're making, what we're, you know what, the decisions we're making to, to uh, you know what, put in our bodies, the decisions we're making and what we stand for and so forth. And again, my aim in that is not to sow divisions that these people are desperately trying to sow, but absolutely just address facts here and truths here that we need to be aware of and absolutely study God's word, the word sorcery, 
is closely related to, again, medicines, pharmacia, and so forth. And my personal opinion is most of big pharma has no intention on trying to heal anybody. They instead want to mask symptoms that put forth other symptoms. And again, uh, I might not be learned, but I do know how to break down discernment on a commercial that shows people running through the fields on this, how this will help you. Then at the end, the guy from Micro Machine Commercials comes on. Remember that guy that spoke real fast? And for the next 30 seconds, reels off all this possible side effects that usually ends in, and in some cases, death. My email is steveshively at refugechurch.info. I might respond, I might not. But that's what it is. So, Revelation 7, I don't know if we'll get through 1 through 8. Entitled, The 144,000 Servants. We might just get to verse 4, and if it is, we'll name this um, the angels, the four angels who held back the wind. It says, after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having a seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And then in verse 5 through 8, it breaks down these 12 tribes. And each tribe has 12,000 that were sealed. And instead of reading their name and the 12,000 that were sealed, I'll just read the names of the tribes. Jude, Reuben, or Ju- Ju- Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Ishashar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now chapter 7 seems to line up with other scriptures that are prophetic about the tribulation. It seems to line up around the middle of the tribulation. Maybe a little bit before the middle of the tribulation when the Antichrist brings forth the abomination of desolation and introduces, you know, at the mark of the beast where at that point you will have to have that mark on your hands to buy or sell. And anyone that refuses that, they will be killed. I'll tell you another thing about that mark. When you get it, you also be required to worship the image of the beast. And if you don't worship the image of the beast, then you will die with the mark of the beast. And you think, how could they monitor that? Well, maybe in ancient times they wonder that. That's very easy how they can monitor that today. But, you know, that's for another time. And we've touched on those things. I, I, I think we... we kind of know what's going on there so this seems to line up with that and it seems that there's an interlude between the sixth seal and the seventh seal it seems like it's a brief period of quiet which in that time we see the sealing the seal of god put on these hundred and forty four thousand jewish servants that are clearly witnesses of the gospel of jesus christ we'll see in the second half of this chapter more martyrs for the lord during the tribulation and it seems that these witnesses go forth and they're making converts of Christ during the tribulation. If you look at the full context of the chapter. And it really seems that these witnesses are raised up at the time when the mark of the beast is instituted. To basically stand against that as a witness calling people to come to the Lord. It seems that they take the baton in my opinion. Um, you know what? And... and Listen, I've seen change on these things and so forth, and I don't want to be overly dogmatic about a timeline, but it seems clear to me that the two witnesses are in the first half of the tribulation, and they hand the baton off to these 144,000 in the second half of the tribulation. And it seems they are there to be a witness to those that are being told, take the mark, uh, you know what, to buy or sell, And they're calling people to come to the Lord along with an angel that goes through heaven calling men to repent. Now, again, the first verse, after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth on the sea or tree. Now, notice after these things. And you got to understand there's order in the book of Revelation. A lot of people, I can't understand it. There's no order. There's order. We already saw an outline in Revelation 119 where he says, write the things you've seen. 
the things which are, the things that will take place after this. And we broke down, and it's there in your notes. Revelation 1, 1 speaks of the things that he saw, referring to the life of Christ, the death and resurrection of the Lord. Revelation 1, 11 speaks to the things that are, the letters written to the church that goes through the end of chapter 3, which absolutely addresses the church age, where we are. And then in Revelation 4, 1, it says, after these things I look. And we've talked about how John's caught up into heaven, and it seems to be a clear picture of the rapture of the church. And then in Revelation 4 and 5, we've looked several times now at this group there that seems to be the fullness of the church raptured at that time. And then from there, we go into chapter 6, and we see the only one worthy to loose the seals, the Lord Jesus Christ being starting to break those seals. The first seal, that white horse, that seems to clearly represent the Antichrist making a covenant with Israel and her neighbors. The second seal, that fiery red horse, peace taken from the earth and meant slaughter one another. The third seal is that black horse that brings a devastation to the economy and famine comes in. The fourth seal, the pale horse, death's riding it, and a fourth of the earth will die in that time. The fifth seal shows that those that have been martyred to that point for their testimony of Christ crying out for vengeance. And then last week we saw the sixth seal where the world is just rocked. Where it says stars fall to the earth. There's great, a great earthquake. The sun becomes like blackness. The moon becomes blood red. And men crawl under rocks. Both the mighty men down to the slaves. And they cry out for the rocks to fall on them. And then again we come here to chapter 7. And it seems that. There's a bit of an interlude for this sealing. And then from here we read on to the end of chapter 10. And it seems to be a further overview of the entire tribulation. And then I don't want to get too far ahead. But just trying to lay out a full outline. We know in Revelation 10, 11, He says, and again he said to me. You must prophesy again about the many peoples, nations, tongues and kings. And it seems at that point it's going back to the start of the tribulation again. And we see a build up to the Antichrist to the middle of the tribulation. We read about the two witnesses, some other events that take place. And then we move up to, I think, where we are here of the institution of the mark of the beast and so forth. It's kind of similar how in Genesis 1 we see an overview of creation. And then in Genesis 2 we get a detailed description of how man was created on the sixth day in creation. So uh, chapter 15 on, then we see a detailed uh, uh, details concerning the very end of the age and the second coming of Christ. And Lord willing, you know, we'll get more into that. But that's how I see an overview of it. Many others see it that way and so forth. And it's just something that makes sense that falls together when we're seeing these directions and instructions and, you know, at guideposts given right in the book. Now he says there, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth. And this is a huge thing. This shows us that the spiritual realm really controls much of the physical realm. These are four literal angels literally holding back the four winds of the earth or wind up on earth. There's other times in scripture where we see Satan being allowed by God to absolutely come and manipulate things in the physical realm. Go back to the book of Job where we know God's boasting of his servant and his faithfulness. And Satan basically says that Take the hedge of protection around from that guy and he'll curse you. And then we see these series of events that happen to Job from uh, fire coming down from heaven to his children, you know what, losing their lives uh, to boils coming on Job. And we absolutely know this is happening because God is allowing Satan to work through people and events to bring those things on Job. Now, listen, as believers, that's something we don't need to fear. Because God in heaven is in the ultimate control and even dictates everything Satan is allowed to do. Satan goes about his business, but God uses the business of Satan to bring about the perfect will of God Almighty. Psalm 135.5, For I know that the Lord is great. Our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth. And even those things God allowed to happen in Job's life, God worked them for good. God gave Job a greater revelation of the awesomeness of God. And boy, he taught us many lessons, did he not, through the book of Job. About suffering, about unrighteous judgments. 
about God's grace. So much we're told there about, you know what, even, uh, uh, you know, what, the earth and, and scientific truths that have proven to be true, even in a time when there's deeper means to actually, you know what, uh, test some of these things as laid out in Scripture. Listen, we literally see four angels literally stopping the wind from blowing. And, you know, wind's an interesting topic. You ever ask anybody, hey, do you believe that, that there's wind? And everyone will say, yeah, oh, yeah, I believe there's wind. And a good follow-up question is, well, why? You can't see wind. No one can see wind. You're like, well, I see the tree move. No, that's, you're seeing the tree move. You're not seeing the wind. I see the leaves blow. I feel it on my face. Y- yeah, but, but, but you're not seeing it. We see the effects of it. And I was hearing people say, I don't believe in God because I can't see him. But, man, your heart's beating right now. And you can move around, and the sun came up today, and God brings the rain on the just and the wicked alike. Boy, you look at the miracle of a baby being conceived and birthed, and you want to tell me you're going to go with time plus slime versus a scientific truth? Life can only come from life. Man, you see the fingerprints of God everywhere. Listen, with this, know this, when we have issues here in the physical realm, let's make sure first and foremost we cry out to God Almighty in the spiritual realm. And I think about the disciples when they were on the Lake of Galilee and the storm arose. And who did they turn to? They turned to Christ. And he said, peace be still. And instantaneously, there was a calm that came upon that sea. What are the storms in your life tonight? Listen, are you first and foremost turning to God? Are you saying, well, this is kind of a physical thing. This is outside of God's realm. Nothing is outside of God's realm. And nothing is outside of God's understanding. We need to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us and then have the faith to move in wisdom but to have the faith that i'm in god's hands and god is going before me now the four corners seems to refer to four quarters or four directions an interesting side note in the last days is prophesied in isaiah eleven twelve and other places that god would bring his people back from the four corners of the earth and that's been happening over the last hundred years in 1948, Israel being rebirthed. In 1967, the re-establishing you know uh, uh, of Jerusalem with Israel. And that leads up to these chapters here where we read about 144,000 Israelis from 12 different tribes being sealed because all this points back to what we learned in Daniel that the last seven years of the Great tri- Tribulation predominantly revolves around the nation of Israel coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know that. And if you don't know that, you're not heeding the words of Christ when he was asked, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And he said, you've got to understand the book of Daniel. If you don't understand that, if you come in this just, especially with a Gentile mindset, you're not going to understand these things. And we see right here, again, 144,000 Israelis from these 12 different tribes being sealed because the tribulation, again, is predominantly about the nation of Israel, along with judgment, coming upon a world that's trying to shun God. Now, one interesting side note, listen, when the wind does not blow, rain is not produced. It's part of a cycle on earth. No wind, no rain. We know when we read about the two witnesses, who I think are predominantly in the first half of the tribulation, it's interesting. It says in Revelation eleven six, these have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecies. And we know one of these witnesses, I believe one of these witnesses is Elijah. God says it's appointed for man to die once, then after death the judgment, and Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind on a chariot. Boy, what a sight that must have been. And we know during Elijah's ministry in James 5, it says he prayed it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, and guess what? It didn't rain for three and a half years. And he did that according to Scripture, Because God told Israel, if you walk in idolatry, it will not rain. There will be a drought. And I'm going to bring that to chasten you to get you to repent and call upon my name. So on top of everything we've already looked at and what comes after this, imagine seven years of no rain anywhere upon the earth. What's it remind you of? Does it not remind you of the days of Noah? It didn't rain in the days of Noah. Now, they had the advantage of mist coming up from the earth. But it did not rain. It seems clear it won't rain during the great tribulation. Except they're not going to have the mist coming up from the earth either. Notice verse 2. 
Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. So another angel comes forth. He seems to have even more authority than these other angels. We see order. We see rank in God's kingdom as well as in Satan's. And he has the seal of the living God. Now the question comes up, what's this seal? It seems to me that first and foremost, it's the seal of the Holy Spirit that's been given to these 144,000 servants of God. You can't be a servant of God if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I know we talked about the Spirit being removed as the restrainer working through the church. But listen, that doesn't mean that God can't now come seal these 144,000 servants, these Israelis, and work in a different way in the tribulation. We know when we come to Christ, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and these servants of the Lord get a seal. I would think that this seal would have to be, first and foremost, a seal of the Holy Spirit. And then notice it says, He cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. It seems that this is also a seal of protection from the harm, the additional harm, wrath, that's about to be unfolded on the earth. These four angels are going to bring an additional harm on the earth, the sea, and the trees. And God's saying, I'm going to seal these servants, and I'm going to protect them from this harm that's going to come on the earth. And listen, God has a track record of sealing and protecting his servants from harm. Now, there's sometimes we have tribulation and trials and persecutions, but even in that, even in the fire, God's going to go before his servants. But think about in Noah's days. That flood didn't come until Noah was shut up in the ark. Think about in Lot's days. The fire didn't come down, the brimstone, until he had escaped to that city. Think about in Exodus, in the plagues that came upon Israel. Pestilence came upon the livestock of the Egyptians, but not one of the livestock of the Israelis died. We know that um, hell came upon the Egyptians, but none came upon the Israelis in Goshen. We know that darkness came upon all of Egypt, but not where the Israelis dwell. It was a darkness that can be felt. And we know eventually when the Passover lamb was slain and blood was put over their doorposts, the firstborn of all those that shun that call to repent and trust in something outside of themselves, a lamb without blemish, they died where the Israelis did not. And we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, and we've looked at it many times. We read there, though, in verse 3, they'll say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. They shall not escape. And then he says, but you, brethren. And it talks about how we're not appointed to wrath. And then it even talks about comforting one another with these words. That's a comforting word, is it not, when you read that in context. And we also read about the call in Luke twenty-one thirty-six to God's servants concerning the tribulation. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted Worthy you escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Listen, God takes pleasure in using trials and tribulations to shape and form his servants. But even in those in day-to-day living, he takes pleasure in putting a hedge of protection around his servants as well. And we can rest knowing we're in God's hand. Come what may. And we need to know that tonight. We need to know that in the midst of even some of those headlines that are read that maybe you said, I didn't come to church to hear that. I came to church not to hear that tonight. But listen, God's with you. God's on the throne. God's going to go before you. So again, it seems in this time, these servants are marked. The Antichrist institutes the mark of the beast. And I'll break this down more when we get further along in the book. And again, it seems this seal sets them apart from harm from the beast i think it allows them and it gives them authority to move within that antichrist system to be able to prophesy to preach the gospel to be witnesses of the lord and to be empowered to really stand up in a time where if you don't take that mark you're going to get slayed and i'll tell you in this time that we're in right now god wants to empower servants god wants to pour out his holy spirit on us god wants us to stand in the truth of scripture God wants us to move forward with him. Now, these that are sealed, they're called servants of God. And I think this is how we know they're witnesses of the gospel. 
Because we're servants of, the, of God Almighty. Can we say amen to that? And one of the highest calls we've been given is to spread the gospel. Mark 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then what comes next in this chapter, again, context here is what we see next is this great group in heaven. John doesn't know who they are. And we, were, we learned there, these are those that came out of the tribulation and they had a testimony of Christ. It seems to line up that these are people that denied that mark. They lost their life here, but they gained eternal life there. I take that exchange any day of the week. So they're sealed. And again, praise God in Christ tonight. We're sealed. And they're servants of the Lord. And praise God in this time that we're in right now. God's called us to be servants of the Lord. Let's be found about the business of God. Can we say amen to that? And then he says, I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Now there's a group running around. They were originally called the Russellites. Now they call themselves Jehovah Witness. And when their little cult started, they said, well, there's going to be 144,000 of us. It seems like men are drawn to lies and soon... Their numbers went past 144,000, so they had to begin to retool their false doctrine and so forth. And they put forth this idea, there's 144,000 special Jehovah Witnesses, and these are the ones talked about here in Scripture. So, so sad, though, because their own numbers, as well as their own ethnicity, proves them to be liars. Listen, these are Israelites. Ethnically, they have Jewish blood in them. That's who God's talking about. He's talking about physical Israel getting grafted in again to be part of spiritual Israel, getting born again in glory. Again, we've read and we've talked about many times at the end of the tribulation, Romans eleven twenty six, all Israel will be saved. And it's talking about the Jews on the earth at that time who refused the mark of the beast. It's not talking about all Jews in history. Listen. It's appointed for man to die once and after death the judgment. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, if you reject Christ, your judgment is sealed. But this is talking about those on earth at that time that come through that tribulation, that put faith in Christ, that have a hedge of protection around them, most likely in that rock city of Petra. We've talked much about it over the last year and a half. They're going to come to a place of being saved. And it seems this 144,000 are the first fruits of, of this final harvest that brings all Israel into salvation. And I don't get that just from, you know, thoughts that that sounds good. But in Revelation 14, 1 through 5, we read about this group again. He says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with them 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder, and I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the living creature and elders. And no one could learn the song except the 100 or the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And then notice, these were redeemed among men. Notice, being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Many have suggested, and it seems to fit their narrative, that they're the first fruits of all of Israel that comes to be saved during the tribulation. Now, I read earlier the tribes, and we come here to verse 5. We read Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Ishishar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now, an overview of these tribes, I can give it quickly, I believe. In Genesis 12, after the flood, God wanted to set apart a nation for himself, a nation through which the Messiah could come. He saw before the flood, when there weren't nations, it was individuals that were rogues, and it got whittled down to one family of faith. So he said, I'm going to set apart a people for me, a people set apart to be a witness to the world as well as to bring forth the Messiah. And so he said, I need to find a guy who I can use to start birthing a nation. Who should I find? Well, I know a guy 75 years old who has a wife that's barren. Why don't we use him? Aren't you glad that God uses miracles and things out of the ordinary? And we read in Genesis 12, the Lord came to Ab Abram. Later, his name was changed to Abraham. It says, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and your father's house, 
to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great name. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a messianic promise. He says, you step out of faith. I'm going to birth a mighty nation through you that not only is going to be a blessing to you, but it's going to bless all the families of the earth. Here we are all these years later, and we are a blessed people tonight. We're a blessed family because God was true to his promise of bringing the Messiah through the nation of Israel, Jesus Christ, who fulfilled over 300 prophecies in his first coming, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, rose from the grave, that whoever, Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave-free, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Now, we know in his old age, Jude was 100 years old, his wife was 90. God gave them a child named Isaac. Isaac, in middle age, had a son named Jacob, a brother named Esau. We won't get into that tonight. Whose later, his name would be changed to Israel after wrestling with God and really coming to a place of surrender to God. And God changes his name from hill catcher a manipulator to Israel, which means prince of God. He would have 12 sons. He'd have a special son named Joseph. We're familiar with him, right? The son with a coat of many colors. And he would have two sons that would also be included with these other 12 sons. It's really Joseph having a double portion. So really you look in the Old Testament and you don't read necessarily of 12 tribes, though they were because Joseph had Ephraim and Manasseh that were really one in Joseph, but instead we read of twelve of, of 13 tribes, really. Not Joseph, but Ephraim and Manasseh in his place. Now, we read of 12 tribes here. And you're like, okay, what's going on? There's some awesome things here. And I'll get to that in a second. One thing that's awesome today is that there are many Israelites in Israel today. They absolutely know exactly what tribe they're from. They've kept records from the days of David, believe it or not. And that's an amazing thing considered this is a people scattered over the face of the earth that have really been more persecuted than any other people in the history of the world. And listen, we'll be fair about that. Some of that persecution has been brought on by themselves. When you reject Christ and say, you say, let his blood be upon us and our children, not a good route to go. But see, God's faithful. And there's many Jews, many Israelites, I should say, around the world. Many who don't even know they're even Jews. They don't even know what tribe they're of. And I believe God's going to use that past scattering in this time to have witnesses all over the earth. I don't think necessarily he's talking about 144,000 that are going to walk around like a mob in Israel. But instead, 144,000 scattered over the face of the entire earth that are going to have an encounter with God that call upon Christ that are sealed by the Lord because Jesus said in Matthew 24 14 this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to nations and then the end will come and listen Jews have been found Israelis have been found in places in Africa there's groups in India there's Israels or Jews or Israelis found in some of the most remote parts of the earth that were part of that scattering. Many who even kept the, 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 the rituals and the washings and stuff better than the Jews that stayed in the Middle East. It is incredible to see. I saw a video the other night on the Amazon and they were talking about how many tribes that are in there that have never really had contact with modern men. And I look and I think, I wonder if there's some Israelis that were scattered in there. Because you've got to understand, in times past, when there was persecution against the Jews and against the Israelis, it wasn't just, well, you know, if you catch them, that's fine. And if you want to let them go, you can't. No, it was, we're going to kill them all. And so there was a literal scattering to all of the earth. And it might be how God uses or God gets the gospel even in those very remote places. Something interesting to talk about. Now real quickly notice Judah is mentioned first. Judah is not the firstborn of Jacob. He is the fourthborn. But because his three older brothers forfeited their birthright, we know it was prophesied that Messiah would come through Judah. Judah is the head. Judah represents Jesus Christ. And it's awesome that Judah is mentioned first. And Judah is sealed first. 
it's a reminder to us that absolutely through Judah, the tribe of Judah, came Jesus Christ. Notice as well, Levi is mentioned. And this is interesting because the tribe of Levi was never given land themselves, but they were scattered throughout all the tribes. They're kind of the 13th tribe, so to speak, because God wanted them to minister to all the tribes. And yet we read of them here instead of reading of Ephraim and Manasseh. We just see Ephraim and I'll come to that in a second. Also notice here, Reuben is listed second. Reuben was the firstborn. Reuben lost his place because he laid with one of his father's wives. Not a good move. On Jacob's behalf, having more than one wife. Again, they thought they were moving by faith. It was always problematic. God is gracious. But also, you just shouldn't do that. I think we can all agree with that, right? As a result, he lost his birthright, but here he still is. Aren't you glad we have a God who forgives and a God restores? Aren't you happy God who, who says, listen if, you, if, listen, if you go that deep, there's, there's no redemption, no he says, when we confess our sin, he's faithful and to forgive us of our sin. And then in this list is interesting. You read neither of Dan nor Ephraim. We read of Manasseh. We read of Joseph. Normally you would read Ephraim and Manasseh. They would make up the 12 and Levi would be the 13th. We only read of Manasseh, not Ephraim, and we don't read of Dan. Well, these tribes have an interesting backstory in the Old Testament. Judges 18.30 says the children of Dan set themselves up for carved images. And then Hosea 4.17, it says Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. Of all the tribes, these tribes became the most apostate. They shunned the things of God more than all the other tribes. It's even been suggested that the Antichrist himself will come from the tribe of Dan because that tribe was so apostate. But listen, again, God is so good. And we'll close on this thought. In 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, If we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Notice Hosea 11.8. Hosea 7.14, God says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. But notice Hosea 11.8. He says, How can I give you up, Ephraim? Aren't you glad God says that about us tonight? How can I give you up? Because when we go to Ezekiel 48, and Ezekiel 40 through 48 is a picture of the millennial temple where Christ will reign for a thousand years, we read of all the tribes. And guess what? Dan and Ephraim are included in that time. Ezekiel 48:30. It says, These are the exits of the city. On the north side, measuring 4,500 cubits, the gates of the city shall be named after the tribes of Israel. The three gates northway, uh, northward, one gate for Reuben, Judah, Levi. On the east side, he says, Joseph. And Joseph includes Ephraim and Manasseh. So Joseph, Benjamin, and then lo and behold, Dan's back. <laughs> Dan. So obviously, even through the 144,000 and all Israel be sa being saved, that third that goes to the tribulation, there'll be members of the tribe of Dan that come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, the more you understand, it's so important that we're people in the Old Testament, the more you understand, you know what, the, 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 the accounts in the Old Testament, the more you can look at that and so appreciate it. I mean, Dan's guy who's main to fame, the, the guy, who, the, the, the main guy from the tribe of Dan, it's Samson. And that's, that's a wily character there. <laughs> kind of a little insight into Dan could be used so much by God, but was so drawn to carnality that never even came close to living up to their potential. But praise God for the shed blood of the lamb. And then it says, Simeon, Ishtar, Zebulun, Gad, Asher, Natalia, and what do we see? All 13 tribes, because Joseph is mentioned for Ephraim, Manasseh, all part of God's redemptive plan, and it really shows, listen, God doesn't lose any of his sheep. God is faithful, and I rejoice in that, and I rejoice in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight. We praise you. We thank you for this time out here, God. We thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your promises. I thank you, God, in the midst of a world that just seems to be spinning, God, or just moving out of control, God, uh, even as you talked about how it will teeter uh, in the last days, I thank you that you are stable, God. I thank you that you are the rock. 
I thank you that you are good. I thank you that in Christ we're sealed by your Holy Spirit. I thank you that we have your promises that are yes and amen. And I thank you that you're, in, you're with us till the end of the age, God. Lord, tonight, God, you know everyone here. You know those that have called on your name. You know if that's everyone here and if there's some that haven't. And listen, if you've never come to Jesus Christ, maybe you've just kind of come along and played the church game, but you've never come to the Lord. Or maybe you're here tonight, you've heard the gospel for the first time. Listen, there's bad news. We're sinners. We're under condemnation. But the good news, we know Christ died for our sins and he rose from the grave. And again, as we mentioned earlier, whoever calls upon the name of Christ will be saved. Have you called on his name? If you haven't, it's time to repent. It's time to turn to the Lord. It's time to come to Christ, to ask him to be the Lord of your life and he'll meet you where you're at. Listen, we're not promised tomorrow. We absolutely aren't. You need to call him today if you haven't. Lord, bless the rest of our night, our fellowship, and this evening. Thank you for all these saints here. Shine your face on each one of them. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. God bless you.